Is he your way maker? Pastor Moore's coming. Listen, God, is he your way maker this morning? Is he your God? Well, let's put them together for the way maker in the house today. Has he ever been a way maker for you in the house? Oh, what a mighty God we serve this morning. Lord bless you. You may be seated. Let our classes make their way back. It's good to see all in the house of the Lord today. It's good to have Brother Ford back. And under the weather, battling with some kidney stones and shingles. But thank God he's back in the house of the Lord today. God bless him. Good to see Sister Liz. Amen. Amen. Different ones. Brother Corey. God bless him. It's good to see him here this morning. Good to see the Loper family. Each one of you in the house of God today to give honor and praise and glory unto none other but Jesus Christ. Praise God. This is the greatest gathering that you and I can do. Amen. The Bible calls it a solemn at times gathering. And the purpose, the reason of that is because who and why we have gathered here. And that's to call on the Lord. And that's to be in the presence of God and to praise and to worship Him. And see the mighty hand of the Lord and the mighty acts of God moving among us. I'm glad he's, he never quits working. Hallelujah. Even in the dark times, the times that you may not feel like he's working. Or maybe we don't feel like he's hearing us. But we know that he is. We know that he's working. That uh, there's no shadow of turning. Amen and Kim. He's constantly moving forward. He's constantly uh, moving and helping and guiding and leading us. Amen. Even in the world that we're in this morning, as broken as it is, hallelujah, he's here to mend us. I'm glad for that mending power, that healing power. I'm glad for that washing power. I'm glad for that new creation, that regeneration. Amen. Amen. You know, thank God, even the Holy Ghost, it's not just a one time experience. And amen, he doesn't never talk to you or touch you again but it's a you know but no it's on a regular basis that you can feel the presence of God that you get to speak in that heavenly language amen and I thank God I don't have to wait to a church service for that to happen but you can be driving down the road amen and all of a sudden amen it just felt like God fills up the cab of that truck or automobile whatever you may be driving you can walk in Walmart and other places your own home amen I'm glad this God is not just you know just anchored right here in this building and we got to always come here and we got to make our, our way here no I'm glad I'm serving a God amen it can go in the highways and the byways amen it can go in the dungeons and climb the mountains or in the valleys there's no place that David said that I can hide from the presence of God I'm glad I can't hide from the presence of this God I'm glad he was willing amen to search out the garden where art thou Adam amen I'm glad God's still on the prowl still on the look amen still searching and calling us even by name, amen. Calling us out, amen. Calling us closer to him. I'm glad this God wants to be near us even this morning. Amen. To give us a visitation and to touch us and, and to move upon our hearts, our minds, and our spirit. I just wonder what would happen across America today if everybody would just make up in their minds and hearts and spirits saying, you know what? I'm going to go to the house of God. 
I'm going to go with everything it is within me too. I, I'm not going, amen, to just be a participator. I'm not going to go and just find a place to sit there and, amen, and judge and, 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 you know, look at everybody and think about all the hypocrites and all the other things. No, I come for one reason, one purpose, and that's to give God glory and to get into his presence and, and reach out to him and let him know that I love him, I need him. Amen. Hallelujah. This is why we come here. Amen. To feel the hand of God, the touch of God in our lives. We got to have it. Brother Booker preached that time, amen, about the mid-course adjustments. And, amen, he likened it, amen, going to the moon. The, the amount of money and time and effort was spent by man to go there. Some even questioned if they'd done it. <laughs> amen. I just leave that up to you on that part. Who you going to believe? We're living in a world you can't hardly believe nobody. But I tell you what, you can believe this book. You believe the God of this book. And the men and vessels of God, amen, that's walking in the witnessing powers of the Holy Ghost, you can believe them. God gave it to them and they speak it, it's going to happen. That's right. It can unfold, it can take place. Let me, let me take a moment here, it's a thank you card from Sister Landy this morning on your behalf and thanking you for the flowers, the food. Amen. And, and the coming and helping them last weekend, the passing of their grandmother. So let's continue to pray for them, the Cooper family, that God would keep them and bless them. And all the others prior to that, amen, they need our prayers. A lot of time this takes weeks and months and even years, amen, to, to God's help and God's hand to, uh, to cope with these types and times, amen. And, and so let's keep them in our prayers this morning. The unexpected and overlooked. The unexpected and the overlooked. If you remember a few months ago, we had another lesson. It may have been longer than that now, maybe last year. I don't know if it's been last year or so, but uh, it was talked about the overlooked. The title was it was, and it was the, the lesson was on the overlooked. Amen. And God help us not to overlook anybody. Amen. That's not our desire. That's not our passion. It all, no means whatsoever. Amen. To overlook anybody. But there is a God. Amen. That sees it all. Amen. Both good. Amen. And let's put as much emphasis on that this morning as we do the evil. <laughs> Hallelujah. But God sees the good. The commitment. The dedication. Amen. Right down to a cup of water. That's given unto his prophets. Or to his men. Or his, his kingdom and service. God never take any of that for granted. Amen. I believe in you could take even unbelievers and people that may not know God through the power of truth. But they understand, amen, the importance of giving to the house of God, men of God. And, and they do that with the right motive. They do it with the right spirit. And so God's able to bless them, bless them upon this life. That doesn't necessarily mean salvation. By no means you can't buy your way into heaven. Everybody's got to be born. You can't buy this with silver and gold. But yet it don't deny the facts of those that participate and get involved in that. Uh, there's worldly men, amen, that would pay their tithes and give offerings and they knew the benefits of that and God would bless them upon this in this world, amen, materialistically and physically, amen, God would bless them and keep them, amen. Only God can keep that record, amen, in that manner and way. You and I really can't, but God can. And so, you know, God doesn't overlook anything that anybody does, amen, neither, amen, as we're going to look in this lesson this morning, hallelujah, what you and I have to look through, 
Amen. It's just these eyes and, and our ability to perceive and, and to make decisions. And we're geared and we're, we're kind of designed, I guess you could say, uh, our first uh, opinions and first encounters with someone. And, and a lot of time before they ever even say anything, we already got an opinion about them. We make that opinion by how they walk. We make that opinion by what they drove up in. We make that opinion by how they dress. We make that opinion, amen, hallelujah, their countenance, amen. And the size of their body in one extreme or to the other. We make those opinions before the first words ever come out of their mouth. Amen. We, we just, we just kind of geared that way. We just kind of led that way. Maybe we sometimes we may mean it in a wrong way and sometimes it's just who and what we do sometimes with no really no harsh judgment. Amen. How I many ever, you know, trying to walk into a place and after you finally got an encounter with them and a conversation with them, their voice didn't match their body. The voice didn't match their appearance. Amen. In fact, hallelujah, uh, maybe some to one extreme or to the other. Amen. You know, they, they, they were just a whole lot different. You didn't really expect that. And it just kind of blew you back. But you know what? God, God, amen. I'm telling you, he never overlooks anything. But God looks far different than what you and I looked. Amen. It, it doesn't mean because I've heard a lot of people take this particular verse out of context. Amen. That we're going to talk about this morning to a certain degree. Trying to take this verse and saying, well, God, don't look on it. The outwards, amen, like you don't have any intentions of any form or type of judgment on the outward. But yet Jesus Christ himself has taught us, you judge the tree by the fruit that it bears. I don't have to go and cut that pine tree down. It's right out there. I can tell by the needles. I can tell by the bark. I can tell by what falls out of it. It's a pine tree. I don't have to cut it down to see the heart of it, to see what type it is. I'm telling you, nature's not confused. The world is and man is. They want to lose their identity. There's men that don't want to keep the identity of men and there's women that don't want to keep the identity of women but I'm glad amen God wasn't confusing the first man and the first woman what he put together in his first career it's still right it's still the original so that's what you and I've got to do we've got to go back to the book we've got to go back to the word of God and take things in the context that it's in and to get the true understanding and the uh, revelation of it and uh, to walk in the powers and the demonstration of the Word of God. We're going to learn as much this morning, this, today, amen, about obedience. As much as anything else. Man, to be obedient unto the Word at whatever cost. At whatever cost. To be willing to be obedient at the instructions of God. and What God instructs us about and informs us to do. Amen. We may not always understand that. And amen. But I tell you what, if we'll just obey it, it'll work out. So as we look at this lesson this morning, a focus verse is going to be found in 1 Samuel 16 and 7. But the Lord said unto Samuel, look not on his countenance. Now let me give you another example of this. Did God ever look on somebody's countenance and judge him? I can see right now I'm going to ruffle some. I can tell by your countenance. The first judgment you read about with King, God made that judgment from a countenance. His response to what was God was speaking to him. 
But in this situation, God's telling a man not to judge by countenance alone. They some a man can have a suit and tie on and blow your head off at the same time. Good clean haircut, shaved man. <laughs> That shocks even our courts today. Some of the first statements you'll hear about these, especially if it's a serious killer or somebody like that. Man, he, he, was, he was clean cut. And then we don't want to stay that way. <laughs> I don't mean to jump on some rabbits here, but there it is. Some of the first statements your lawyers and individuals will make about this individual. He didn't suit the profile that we and you and I would have imagined of this, this individual of being a creature, of being a type of an animal that would destroy lives and take lives. No, we got a preconceived idea of him looking like some wild, wild something. I wonder how many accepted John the Baptist by his countenance. I'm going to the other extreme now. Wild-eyed. Camel's hair, leather girdle. He didn't match anywhere near close to the priest, uh, a man, clothing and, and appearance. But he had a message, and he had a God to back that message up for him that drawed him by the multitudes unto him. And so, this is what you and I have got to understand. This is why it's so important, a man, for spiritual leaders to have the Holy Ghost to lead them. One thing I've really found amazing in this lesson is the ability of Samuel to hear the voice of God and willing to allow the voice of God to trump his own opinions and his own ideas. Allowing the voice of God, or could I put it this way, the Word of God. That regardless of how I was raised, regardless of how many times I've been told a lie, regardless of how many times I thought it was right, all of a sudden the Word of God says this, and the Word of God trumps it. Amen. Every time. The Word of God's always right. Regardless of what this one done or what that one done, the Word of God is always right. And Samuel had an ability in him, amen, as a chosen vessel of God, amen, to hear the voice of God. And in that moment to make the decision that was pleasing and acceptable unto God. Oh God help us get back. Have an ear to hear what the Spirit's got to say to the church. And better yet than that, amen, and uh, have an ear to hear what the Word of God's got to say to us as an individual. That's what's going to save us. That's what's going to be that GPS and that navigates us through this, this spiritual world and the spirit of iniquity and the hour and the season, the time, and especially as we get ushered into it. That's the voice that's going to keep us bound down to the Antichrist. That's the voice that's going to keep us bound down to the Antichrist spirit that's running so rapidly in the world that we're living in today. That's a voice that's going to help us stay, stay in the straight and narrow pathway. Amen. It's a voice of God that we got an ear to hear and a love for his commandments and a love for his voice and a love for his presence. Praise God. Man, I feel the preacher in the house. Praise God. We're not mad at nobody. Man, I'm just telling you, God's working. He's always been working. Man, we sung, we sung the right song this morning. God's working, folks. Don't you ever kid yourself that God's not working. 
When God sets out to do something, and we'll tell you something else you can be assured of. You're going to see in this lesson today. Amen. If you've got an enemy that rises up against you, don't worry. God will take care of it. God's got his time. God's got his season. And God's got his ways. That's one thing that's wrong with man. Man wants to take too much in their own hands. Instead of responding to it the way God wants us to. Anyway, I don't want to jump a bunch of rabbits here. i got enough to try to cover already. Amen. But the Lord said unto Samuel, look not on his countenance, upon the height of his statue, because I have refused him. For the Lord seeth not as man seeth, for man looketh on the outward appearance, but the Lord looketh on the heart. The Lord looketh upon the heart. Well, I tell you what, the Bible has a lot to say about the heart. The mind, these are interchangeable words. Amen. And uh, to what's in the heart and what flows out of the heart. And amen. Uh, again, let's, truth about God. God uses those the world will overlook. Man, God will, will use. God will lift up. God will anoint. Amen. That uh, uh, the world would, would, would maybe make the statements. There's no way. Amen. That God could use you. Or you, you're going to be something. Amen. Of course, there's difference of definition. Amen. Of being successful in the world and successful in Jesus Christ. The world has taught us, amen, get everything you can get. Live life to its fullest. Enjoy every day. And prone and subject to push you toward pleasures and things of pleasure. Word of God is actually the opposite direction. Most of the things that's real pleasurable to us is associated and tied in with ungodliness and unwholesome things. Well, you know, he even wants us to govern our eating. I mean, the Bible talks about glutton. Yeah. Some people live to eat and some people eat to live. Some people can't hardly get through with breakfast, so they're wondering what they're going to have for dinner. <laughs> Amen. So, I will trust God when he works in unexpected ways. God works in unexpected. Well, I wasn't expecting that. That's unexpected stuff is what gets us in trouble sometimes. But God works in unexpected ways. I'm going to try my best to use some of the lesson here today and, and also the scriptures and uh, with the help of the Holy Ghost, no doubt. And we need a lot of the help of the Holy Ghost here this morning. Uh, but as, as we begin to look, and, and I don't have a copy of the scripture, so if I get mixed up or whatever, I mean, I didn't, get, I didn't write myself a copy down. So, but anyway, we're going to try our best. I'll try to make some notes here to decide, Brother Brandon, so you just work with me. And I've already got him messed up. I got one that went down about halfway and two and whatever. And I said, well, I, God just, you know, anyway, God works with me, and y'all just have to work with me too. <laughs> okay. Amen. Hallelujah. Everybody can't get everything so organized and so perfect. Hallelujah. If everybody could do it, you wouldn't be impressed by those that can. 
We make some people look good, all right? How about that? <laughs> Hallelujah. But anyway, we're going to talk as much today about Saul and, and the call of God. And, and one thing that's helped uh, in my own mind and heart and spirit today, I had a conversation just this week, a man with a, a gentleman that uh, refers back into Genesis, the sixth chapter, and that relationship that went on there. And there's different opinions and ideals of that relationship, what come from that relationship, a man between the angels and, and women. And some believe it was really his angels and it was great men, mighty men. Some believe that he was just referring to the sons of Seth anyway about this warfare and battle things of this nature when unfolded but I know one thing hallelujah regardless of that relationship amen you know what happened immediately after that relationship there come a flood and God's destroyed all of them that was a part of that relationship so really they don't have a whole lot of emphasis on us one way or the other the only family that really has got any emphasis upon us amen is a man called Noah who found grace so we and I, we know what we're looking for. We're looking for grace. Because it takes grace, amen, to get us to the throne room, amen, with boldness, amen, that we might attain mercy. And by this grace, we'll attain that mercy, that we can receive that grace. And by this mercy and grace, we're going to finish this journey because we've been born again. we got a voice that's in our lives. That's a true voice. That's a powerful voice, amen, that could shut every other voice down, amen, and cleanse and wash us and make us who and what God wants us to be. He never misses it. So as we go into this and we begin to take some things. How many, how many led you, read your lesson? How many looked at the lesson connection? I've never heard of that lady. Any of you ever heard of that lady? I have not. Boy, that was interesting. Well, go back and read it. Go back and look at that. That's, that's, that's awesome. Amen. Just cured about this particular lady. Amen. Uh, Claudia Coven. Amen. Just 15 years old. Amen. The first black lady that refused. Amen. To give her a seat on the bus was prior. Amen. Before, amen. Before Miss Rosa Parks became so popular. This particular little 15-year-old girl, amen, that they took off to jail, done it. She didn't get a lot of credit. She got a, you know, they didn't build uh, museums after her. They didn't, things like that. They just put a little place over to the side. But, uh, but now when you look back, we realize. And even, even Miss Parks had to rate, she said she knew her and knew of that. And that's what helped propel her to do what she'd done. Amen. So, so you know what? Just because you don't get the recognition that you may think you ought to get from your pastor, and I just use me, that's the safest thing. Hallelujah. Or from someone else. Amen. I'm going to tell you something. God sees it. And just because, amen, you know what? God, it's a little thing sometimes. It's the grassroots that really makes it successful. It's those that works behind the scenes that nobody, amen, ever knows anything about. Amen. It's what makes a church successful. It's the prayer warriors. It's the intercessors. Thank God for every preacher. I thank God for every singer. But I'm going to tell you something. We've lost some things in the apostolic church that we need to pull back in. We need some prayer warriors. We need some intercessors. We need some folks that don't have to have none of that. But find the call of God and the, that place in the kingdom of God. That moves the powers of the darkness out of our lives. I'm telling you, folks, it works together. It works together. Amen. And so as we watch some of this unfold here today, and, and, and we're going to cover as much of this as we possibly can, but as we go back and look at Saul, and he begins to talk about God's call, and we, you know, he actually picks up in 1 Samuel, the 15th chapter. But to be, to be fair to God, amen, and, and as you look at that particular chapter, and you care what's being said, you could get a spirit or an attitude toward God. Okay, let's see. First three verses. Let's see what God tells Samuel to tell 
a man, Saul, to do. Samuel also said unto Saul. Now, this is probably, we're going to go back and we'll come back. The Lord sent me to anoint thee to be king over his people, over Israel. Now, therefore, hearken thou unto the voice of the words of the Lord. Thus saith the Lord of hosts, I remember that which Amalek did to Israel, how he laid wait for him in the way when he came up from Egypt. Now go and smite Amalek and utterly destroy all that they have, and spare them not, but slay both man and woman, infant and sucklings, ox and sheep and camels and ass. Wow. That's your God that said to take care of little Winston. If he wasn't asleep and laying doing so good there, I would. Said to kill him. Watch a side of God that nobody really wants to. And some people even struggle with. Okay. But let's go back. Why did God instruct Samuel to instruct Saul to do this? He actually gives us a little insight in that second verse of what Amalekites had tried to do. When you go back, amen, into Exodus, uh, I think I've got it. I hope I'm not getting ahead of myself. Um, I am a little bit. Um, Let's go there. Exodus 17, 17, 17 and 8. Let's watch this. Now, this is Israel. They're coming out. And so the Bible picks up. It says, Then Amalek had fought with Israel in Rephidim. This is the first battle that we read about with Moses. Said unto Joshua, choose us out men and go out to fight with Amalek tomorrow. I will stand on the top of the hill with the rod of God. Man. And so it talks about Aaron. It talks about Ur and, 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 and Aaron. Amen. And they stand. You know the story how that held up a Moses' hand. So this is Amalek. This is the first battle. They come out. Why is that so important? Watch this. Let's forward a long ways. Who was coming out of Israel? A Messiah. Amalek wanted to destroy Israel. Which would have destroyed the Savior of the world. So sometimes you've got to get things in the right perspectives. To understand why God would hate sin. Iniquity. uh, Disobedience. Rebellion. Because, and you see this time and time again, all said and done, through the scriptures where Balaam and Balak and right on through trying to annihilate them, destroy them. And all said and done, they was after one thing, and that was destroy the Messiah, that son that was promised to you and I in Genesis 3 and 15. But it was going to happen, even though it took 4,000 years. Now watch this. All souls depended upon this one little lamb. 
Amen. With Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and all the bulls and sacrifices, the blood that had been spilled, it still always pushed forward. It had not been washed away. Those sins still hinged upon one lamb called Jesus Christ, upon one Messiah coming. And so then, you know, if, if he didn't fight and fight against the enemy that fought against them. And so when you even go to Deuteronomy 25 and 17 and 19, again, Moses writing to them as they go into the promise. Remember what Amalek did unto thee, by the way, when he were come forth out of Egypt? How he met thee by the way and smote the hinder, hindmost of thee. Even all that were feeble behind thee, he took advantage. That's what the devil always does. Amen. He takes the weary. He takes the faint heart. He takes those. Amen. That's the reason abortion. We take such a stand against abortion. Amen. Because, you know, they don't have a voice. So somebody's got to be a voice for them until that moment in time. And I know that's an issue that can get broad and, and different things of that nature. But, but the very purpose of that, the very thing of that. Hello. Really, amen. Especially to the place they want to push it now, amen. To the point and place they want to push it, hallelujah. To how far along to go with it, but anyway, I didn't mean to get onto that one. But feeble behind thee, when thou was faint and weary, and he feared, watch this, and he feared not God. There's, there's the icing on the cake, hallelujah. When people, a fool will only say there is no God, only a fool, amen. And foolishness, amen, that doesn't fear God. I'm gonna tell you something when you and I don't fear the house of God and we don't fear men of God or the representation of God I'm telling you that's the first step amen that's going to lead us into a place of rebellion that's got the first place that's going to lead us into a place of stupidity. that's the first place that's going to lead us in a place amen to become lost and undone so that's the reason we got that's the reason God wanted to do away with the Amalekites they didn't fear God they're the very seed they're the very seed that's going to come up and it's going to war against them and so now God remembers this God hadn't forgot all of this even though it had been period of time I'd love to tell you that you know if Saul what's this if Saul would have obeyed the man of God you would have not read any more about the Amalekites but guess who had to face them David that's the reason we talk about certain giants we talk about you and I as living for God. Making sure as we, we live for God. That there's things that every generation's got their giants. Don't kid yourself. Huh. You know, uh, a particular guy said something about the generation. And, and I told him, you know, every generation's failed. You know, everybody wants to talk about the previous generation, how bad they've done. Well, if they've done so bad, how good are we doing? You know? That's what you got to look at. We learn it from them. That's what the Word of God. That's what Paul said the Word of God was all about. That it be an example of us that we might learn from them. You know, sometimes it's, you may not find out the best way of doing something. But sometimes, listen, somebody with experience, you know what you learn? You learn ten ways not to do. So you're ten steps ahead. So, same way with the Word of God and how God works and operates through His Word. That's what this, this is all about. This is God's Word given to man that he might be saved. That's the reason this book, amen. That's the reason David said, I've hid it in my heart that I might not sin against thee. And so as we watch this unfold and the voice of God. Now, understand some Samuel. And God never let not one word. Remember now, Samuel was the one that not one word failed. Amen. There wasn't a written word, but now, amen, because it wasn't, you know, it was precious in those days. Everybody didn't have a Bible or two or three Bibles and have it on the phone and everybody 
else. Not in that day and time. So the voice of God was the man of God. Amen. And God's intent, amen, to lead this Israelite people. And God had tried always to save the world. So now he gets down to the Israelites. And this is going to be the nation. A nation that's called out of Egypt. That's called out of the world. It's called out of sin. And this nation is going to go in among other nations. And they're being instructed by Moses not to partake of their, their gods. Not to partake of their idols. Not to become like them and dwell like them and do the things they're doing. Amen. Why? Because I want to show the rest of the world that there is a God. That there is a Savior. Hey folks, that's what the church is all about. That's what you and I are all about. That's what Acts 1 and 8 talks about in the witnessing power of the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. You know how we can show Jesus? It's walking in the Holy Ghost. You know how we can show Jesus? It's showing the love of Christ. You know how we can show Jesus showing long suffering and kindness and meekness and gentleness and love. Amen. Bearing the fruits of the Holy Ghost. Not being smart at it. Not being cocky. Not being rude. Hallelujah. But walking in the love of Christ and the power of Christ. Amen. To be a testimony. The salt of the earth. The light of the world. That's who and what God's called us to be as he's endued us with the power. Amen. I tell you the devil can't handle this. We heard it. Amen. Monday night. We ought to have more faith than the devil. Hallelujah. But they fake to recognize Jesus Christ when the Jews failed to recognize him. Watch this. Watch this. You know what religion's done? Religion has tried to shape and form the church to lose its effect upon the earth. That you can't even recognize the church. That's never the intent of God. God's always wanted his people to be able to be recognized. And not just when outward. Oh, here we go. Because God don't look just on the outward. But it's more importantly what the Bible says out of our belly shall flow. Out of the abundance of heart, the mouth. And so, so all this really comes together. It ties together of who and what we are. Whose kingdom. See, one or two things is, is really uh, either faith or unbelief rules and reigns. <laughs> Hallelujah. Either, either the spirit of iniquity or the spirit of God. You can't serve two masters. You can't serve two kingdoms. You can't be loyal to both. You got to deny one and accept the other. And so that brings us back into that place of crucifying this flesh, mortifying the deeds of this body, not letting my carnality, because the Bible has taught me that carnality is hostile against God and the ways of God and the, and the, the direction that he would go and how he would respond. And so I've got to bring it under. And so here we are with Saul as we watch him in this lesson as it leads up to the reason, amen, that, that Elab, amen, is going to be the one that the final verse is really talking about here today. And then we'll talk about David and Goliath next week. But, but watch this as it unfolds and leads up to this point in place. And that's what I want to talk about a little bit for just a few minutes here to this morning, if you'll let me. Amen. About Saul and what, how it led up to here. So to start with, as we begin to study about Saul and we read, amen, how he even comes on the scene. You know that he was precious in his beginning. And his beginning uh, was very humbling and very meek. And he was willing to listen to the man of God. And so you know that how that he finally comes up and he's going out. He's out by his own dad. And then I'm going to talk a little bit more about where, where, where Saul come from, where Kish come from. Amen. Even prior in the judges. I'll talk about that a little bit tonight because time ain't going to let me do it all this morning. So, But but as you look, watch this. And he comes on the scene about the ninth chapter of 1 Samuel. If my memory serves me right. And here as he comes on the scene, his father sending him out to look for some ashes. Amen. That had left. That had got away somehow. And so he begins to go looking for them. And he talks about different places all the way through Benjamin's land. 
land of Benjamin and finally to a point in place. Now watch this. It's just to show you how willing Saul was. Now he was a son. He was one a man that was trying, probably the leader of this situation, but a servant was with him. And so as they got to this point in place, Saul, amen's mentions, hallelujah, thou that his dad, hallelujah, is probably worrying about him by now because they done been out on such a long journey looking for these little donkeys and trying to recover them and bring them back and they had no success. But it was a servant that said, you know what? Said, hey, the man of God. There's a man of God, amen. It's Gilgal. He's right here. And so why don't we, why don't we make our way to the man of God? He'll show us. He'll, he'll show us the way. He'll tell us what to do. And Saul was willing. He didn't argue with him. In fact, Saul says, well, wait a minute. We don't have nothing to give to the man of God. You know, the custom was, if you read it, you see in parentheses, in that time it was a custom, amen, that they would, you know, boy, I don't know how this is going to go over, but it's still in the book. Amen. Amen. Saul, Saul says, I don't have no money to give him. Our bread's spent. It's gone. It's a, uh, we don't have nothing to pay the man. Watch out, preacher. Not here, but, but I'm going to tell you. Can I tell you the opinion of the world, the religious world? You don't pay a preacher. If you listen to the religious world out there, he doesn't he don't retire. He shouldn't make money. He shouldn't have big homes. He shouldn't this. He shouldn't that. He... Now, I know it can get out of balance there, and that's not even, but it's in the Bible now. But Saul said, hey, we don't have nothing. But the servant says, hey, I got some. I got some. Will. Now, if you read the deal, I don't know if he ever gave it to, to, to the man of God or not. It, it, the Bible didn't really... You know, but as they make their way into the city, guess what? That day, that day, there was some little maids coming out, and, and they questioned him about the, the shear. Back then, they wouldn't call it a prophet. It was called a shear, amen. And so they questioned him and, and, and said, hey, yeah, said he's right there. Said he's fixing to come. Said he's, in fact, he's here today going to offer sacrifice and invite him uh, to, to come. And so, as, as so now watch this. God had done talk to, to Samuel. Man, you talk about a man that could hear the voice of God. God done talked to him the day before. Told him that, hey, I'm going to send one out of Benjamin. Hey, I'm going to send one to you. Man, amen. Man. He didn't give him some visual or nothing like that. He just told him. He said, I'm going to send you a man. But when Saul and his servant come walking up, God spoke to Samuel and said, this is a man. There's the man. There he is right there. Amen. And so he, he prophesies unto him. He tells him. He claims him in. And he feeds him the shoulder, the shoulder that belonged to the priesthood. What was set aside, he comes and dines and eats with him. And so after this process, he, he begins and then pulls him to the side and tells him, hey man, he tells him, hey, the little donkeys, they're all right. They've been found and your daddy's worried about you. And so Saul knew that he had done said that. So now he knows he's making a connection now. This is a man of God. And so as he begins to enlighten him and tells him what's going to unfold and going to take place, hey man, how they're going to make their way back. And so he does. He's going to make his way back home and he's going to prophesy. And when he gets in the, in the presence of them, amen, he begins to prophesy. And so now, now they realize as he begins to prophesy and God begins to anoint him. And the Bible says when he leaves there, amen, he's a different man. Hallelujah, he's got a new heart. Amen, he tells him, he said, don't tell everybody about what I've told you. You could tell them about the donkeys and all that, but don't tell them about the kingdomship part. And sure enough, when he gets on, his uncle questions him, amen, that he talked to Samuel, he talked to the man of God. And so he questions him about, but he didn't tell him anything about the kingship. He don't, he don't mention none of that. He don't, he don't blow no trumpets. He don't, he, don't, he don't put the banners out. He don't make a big deal out of it. In fact, he keeps it to himself. He keeps it quiet. And he don't tell anybody. So we watch. 
watching, amen, Saul, even though he's head and shoulder above everybody else, amen, he didn't, he didn't get cocky, he didn't get high-minded, hallelujah, none of those things, even though he's got a new heart in him, an anointing is upon him, and the Spirit of God is with him, and he's done proving it by the prophecy that took place, and so as he goes from that area, and they begin to talk about him, setting him up, and when you bring him out before the people, and they're going to set him up because Samuel stepped in, because the, the people wanted a king like everybody else, it wasn't just, you know, God said, you know, in Samuel, we're going to talk about that in a minute, amen, now that Samuel mourned, that's just always rejected, but let's go back to this, watch what Saul does, amen, so we watch in the foundation of Saul, in his very beginnings, and his very original call, can I tell us something, that's what you and I've got to watch, when God anoints us, and God uses us, we should never get big headed, we should never try to make a special ministry out of it, we shouldn't try to make money out of it, that's unjust earnings, we're using religion, and we're using God in the house of God, in a method and a means, amen, to pat our own back pockets, that's not the will of God, amen, yes, you should get, you got to pay bills and do all these things, I understand that, but on the other hand, amen, it ain't about money, we're not in this for money, we're not in this, amen, for our own personal names and our own personal ego, we're in this, amen, because it's the kingdom of God, this is a doorway, this is the gate, this is the Bethel, amen, to get people out of hell and get ready to go to heaven. The only way that can happen, you and I have got to have a man of God in our lives. Watch this. God impressed me this, this week in prayer. Watch this. What do we tell everybody? You got to have a preacher. What do we say most of the time? Come on. You got to have a pastor. That's what you hear 99 times. Well, let me ask you something. What did God give to the church? A pastor? What else? Come on, I'm trying to help us. He gave us a five-fold ministry. You gotta have an evangelist as bad as you gotta have a pastor. You gotta have a prophet as bad as you gotta have a pastor. You gotta have a man, you gotta have a teacher. You gotta have somebody can talk to you, if I can put it that way. Somebody to instruct you, and yes, the pastor plays that role. But let me tell you something. We got a man to start praying, interceding. God give us some prophets. God give us some evangelists. I'm telling you, the devil's doing his best, amen, to rob the church, amen, of the gifts of God, to perfect it and manifest it and make it be what it ought to be. Could it be the body? It's not what it is because it's not being fed from the five-fold ministry the way it ought to be. The enemy knows how to stop things. He knows how to work. He knows how to. But you know what? We got to become wiser than that. That's the reason it's important. When we have evangelists and men of God, and that's the reason we make investment in missionary workers. We should never, well, I'm going to say this. I don't know where it's going to go. I don't know if it's going to affect any of you or not. I don't know. Hopefully not. I don't think so. But we should never go on gripe with sending money across those waters and helping missionary workers. It's a part of it. And that investment is important. Amen. For the kingdom's sake. For soul's sake. Now, don't, don't misunderstand what I'm saying here. That's very important. But I'm going to tell you something. I'm not going to take tithe money to send to mission work. That's not right. 
I'm not going to quit giving in other areas. Especially, oh boy, this ain't going to go over good, but I'm going to say it anyway because it's in the Bible, it's in the Word. It's in our lesson today. Amen. It doesn't matter who's all of a sudden took over the leadership. There ought to be something inside of us. Amen. I'm talking about Holy Ghost filled people now. I ain't talking about people with false doctrine and don't live in right. That ain't what I'm talking about. I'm talking about, you watch this. The writer in a lesson mentioned, and I hope I can find it a little later on, but he talked and warned us about, amen, that all of a sudden certain individuals, amen, because of who they are, all of a sudden we're going to make them and all of a sudden we're going to respond no that ain't the way it ought to be it doesn't matter whose baby's brought up here it doesn't matter who walked in this house amen if they walked in this house God put them in our place God put them in our means God put us amen in the place and put us together amen, so we can help to love them and help them to be redeemed and help them to be saved and one soul is just as important as the other so can you tell me what color a soul is what color is a soul Colors own nothing but these are earthen vessels that's going to go back to the dust. And the only thing that's going to be glorified is an is a, is a, a immortal body. Okay? I'm not trying to... I'm just telling you. These are things that, that the enemy has used. Tactics that the enemy has used to, to, to tear down and to destroy the work of the kingdom and the work of God. So... So as we watch some more of this unfold, and Lord help me here, man, I've got so, so much of it going on. So, so let's watch some of this. First Samuel's, let's go to First Samuel's, I think 92. I hope, brother, I hope I've got you. We're going we're to go there. He's, and he had a son whose name was Saul, a choice young man. Now watch this. Let's talk about this a minute. God had chosen Saul. And I know I talked about him to a certain degree about being humble and all. But, but watch, I want you to notice something here. And he had chosen a son whose name was Saul, a choice young man, a goodly. And there was not among the children of Israel a goodlier person than he. God picked the best man they had to offer to lead them, to guide them. I'm going somewhere. It's just hang on. Even in, has anybody ever heard this statement? He doesn't look like presidential material. I'd say this with a, with a clean heart. I said that about Mr. Obama. He don't look like. Besides that, his name alone. I wouldn't vote it for him because of his name. Even if he'd have been a Republican. I mean, we had just come through 9-11, and we're going to vote for Obama? I mean, it didn't make sense to me. Maybe I'm just a dumb country boy and can't put two things together. But anyway, here we are. So, I, I mean, there's just certain things before I ever heard him make the first speech. I, you know, where did he come from? Well, you know, who was he? Hey, Amen. But, but you see what I'm trying to say? And so sometimes we got preconceived ideas. And so God, amen, picked, amen, the best looking. And the man that he felt could, have, could fulfill the build hill. A good person than he. From his soldiers and upper, he was higher than any of the people. He was higher than any of the rest of them. Head and shoulder above everybody else. Who else matched that? 
Saul, who else matched that? The very key that this lesson's about. Eliab himself, the oldest brother of David. And so you know what's being said here? Without it being said, we tie together, amen, height with power and authority and leadership. Regardless of their heart's condition, regardless of their spiritual condition, we think by their physical outward appearance, amen, hallelujah, that they can get the job done. But I'm glad God looks upon the heart of the individual, not the size of the body. That's the reason a David a man, a lad, was able to take down a Goliath that was a giant for the enemy. Ladies and gentlemen in the baptism of the Holy Ghost I'm telling you in the generation that we're living in, the church is still going to be triumphant. Individuals that give themselves over to the call of God and the mercy of God. Sin will not rule and reign. Darkness will not overcome us. We're not just blundering and wondering what we're going to do. We know who to serve and how to serve him. We know how to walk in the beauty of his couch and the beauty of his life we've been called out man this is most exciting life there is to live with what talents and skills and abilities that we got to offer to the kingdom of God to serve none other but Jesus Christ so so we know as all this unfolded and I'm going to bypass some of that now since we didn't talked about it amen to a certain degree but now let's go. Let's go all the way back to, and I hate to bypass some of this, but time would allow me, amen, to cover what I'm trying to cover here this morning. First Samuel 15. So we go back to those first three verses. And we pick up from there and begin to talk about, amen, Samuel himself and, and what's going to happen and what's going to take place. And, and so from that fourth verse, Saul gathered the people together and numbered them. He began to take some 200,000 footmen, 10,000 of men from Judah. And Saul came to the city of Amalek and laid wait in the valley. Saul said, now watch this. In fact, if you go back, and you don't have to, Brother Brennan, but if you go back to the previous chapter, the 47th chapter, the 47th verse says, So Saul took the kingdom over Israel. Saul took the kingdom over Israel. Saul is the leadership. Now you got to go further back to see, amen, when you go all the way back. I'm sorry, but, but, but I need to do this, amen, with Saul's life. I want us to understand some things that really began to take place. After Saul was made king, amen, and it began to pick up. And after Saul had reigned one year, and when he had reigned two years over Israel, Saul chose him 3,000 men of Israel. We're up 2,000. We're, we're Saul, and they talked about Jonathan. So what are we talking about here? Amen. He began to choose them. He began to set up. He began to, amen, to let the pride, a position, a calling. I'm going to tell you something. We, you and I got to be careful. Hey, Hallelujah, Holy Ghost filled people and anointed people of God that we won't let pride. What got Lucifer kicked out of heaven? Pride, arrogance, high mindedness. I'm somebody. What drives America? What has America taught us? Come on, you gotta be about yourself, man. You gotta push, you gotta do this. American dream has become so independent. You ain't got to depend on nobody or nothing. But it's a, it's, a, it's a spirit behind that driving factor, amen, that you don't need a God and you don't need a preacher and you don't need a judge. And you look at where we're headed now. We don't have no respect for the White House. We don't have no respect for the law enforcement. We don't have no respect in the law in our schools. We don't have no respect in our houses. We don't have no respect for our parents. Honey, it don't stop just when one place. It just keeps on coming on. Just keeps on coming on. We don't even have respect for the house of God. And I can remember a time, amen, raised in the Methodist church that we never locked the doors. 
I was open all the time. You didn't worry about people going in. And you didn't have to worry about people going out in the parking lot and cutting donuts. Not when I was a teenager. You know why? And it didn't matter what religion it was. They feared them all. They respected them all. But this just keeps on coming. Pride. Saul began to allow as he gathered in the best, as he picked the best vineyards, as he got the chariots and built him an army. Amen. And by Saul, amen, watch this. I don't know if Samuel gave him any instructions when you go back to that verse 47 in those battles, amen, against the enemy. You could go back and look at it, amen, sometimes if you want to. And then it comes up to this 15th chapter. And it makes its way here. We begin to see where Samuel becomes a voice to him. And we see where, amen, how that, uh, uh, that, that Samuel at other times, one previous time, can I go back there, Gilgal, where he was waiting after he set up in that previous chapter, I just started in that ninth chapter, amen, because the man of God had told him to wait on him. But now Saul, and understand the pressure was on him. I'm not sure if I'd have done any better, so please don't take me wrong. When I'm, but here's the deal. The man of God's always right. And it's on the man of God whenever you obey the man of God. If you obey the man of God as the voice of God, it's on him and not on you. And so here it is. Amen. Saul was waiting. Hallelujah. Now the days were up. Hallelujah. And now the people had left him. Now watch this. The very ones that had chosen him and desired a king was leaving him. Was the first ones, amen, that was crossing the rivers. Was the first ones, amen, that was crossing into caves. Was the first ones, amen, because they had 30,000, amen, of the Philistines that was rising up and coming against them. And they just had a small army, amen, to stand against them. And now they're fleeing. And now, amen, Saul finds himself in a place of, hallelujah, I'm going to make the sacrifices. The man of God hadn't showed up. So I'm going to take on the position of being the preacher. I'm going to tell you something. It's a dangerous thing when you and I become our own preacher and we allow ourselves, amen, to preach ourselves and we think we can make it by our own way. Yes, you've got the Holy Ghost and yes, you can read the Word of God, but I'm telling you there's a revelation and God set up an institution called the fivefold ministry and there's got to be a man of God in your life and there's got to be the voice of God because there's got to be times your own conscience won't get the job done. Sometimes your own ability to reason won't get the job done. You need that voice from God and he uses the fivefold ministry to be that voice. Oh, I know. We're living in a world today. Man, it's done it's everything. Hollywood has done everything it can possibly do to tear down the ministry. Yeah. You listen to most of them out there and ask them what they think about preachers. If you don't believe that, just ask them, what do you think about preachers? 90% of them say, well, they're after two things, and you know what they are. How many of you can name it? They don't say that about policemen. They don't say that about teachers. They don't say that about politicians. They don't say that about, about any other, any other craftsmen amen, in this world. But preachers and preachers alone. But hallelujah, I'm kind of preaching to us today. You know why? Because I'm telling you that the enemy's done its best to silence the voice and the power and the authority of a preacher in our lives. But I'm telling you if Saul would have kept the man of God in his life and obeyed the man of God at whatever cost. Amen. If he'd have just stood his ground. If he'd have just stood his ground. If he had to stand it by himself when everybody else was fleeing. Everybody else going in the cave. I'm going to tell you something. Hey, some 
young folks can go back and do everything they want to in the world, but I'm not going. I'm not going to compromise. I'm not going to change some things. I still believe it takes repentance, baptism in Jesus' name, and the infilling of the Holy Ghost. I believe it's essential. Why do I believe that? Because it's in the book. It's in the Word of God. It's ever settled. I don't have the right or the power to change it. Oh, praise God. So, as we, we watch him from this episode... He comes to him, he tells him, he sends him down to Amalekite, the city. He said, Saul, amen, he makes his way, he instructs him to annihilate and to destroy and to kill all the sucklings, to kill all every man and woman and everything there is, amen. But watch what Saul does. Then Saul, and go down to the seventh verse, and Saul smote the Amalekites from Evelyn until cometh to Shur against Egypt. And he took Agag. Now watch this. He took Agag, the king of the Amalekites of life. You know why? Because all the other kings, that's what they would do. When they took a nation, took a king, they'd bring the king. They'd put him on an animal behind him. Amen. And they would parade him in front of everybody. Look what we've done, man. We, we, we conquered. We done. But that ain't what the man of God told him to do. In fact, the Bible's taught us not to rejoice over an enemy that falls. There's a wrong attitude and spirit we can have. Against individuals when they fall. <laughs> it's in there. But it didn't stop there. But Saul and the people. Now, now, the ninth verse says. And Saul and the people spared Agag and the best of the sheep. How many did Samuel tell him to do away with? Where did they lose that to get into that place where they, this is the best sheep. Man, I ain't never seen no sheep look like these. And that's the prettiest, fattest thing. Obedience is better than sacrifice. It didn't matter if those sheep looked better than the sheep they had to offer. Listen to him. The oxen, the fatlings, and the lambs, and all that was good, and would not utterly destroy them, but everything that was vile. Everything. Now, let me ask him who decided what was vile and who decided what was good? Who decided in the Old, old Testament who was clean and unclean? Come on, preacher, you don't have that right. You don't have an authority. If I'm in the book and under the anointing of the Holy Ghost, I do. I got the rights to call the shots. I got the rights to draw the lines. He gave it to Moses when he went back down the side of that mountain. Moses, go down there and draw the line. And will you draw the line? If anybody crosses, man or beast, I'm going to kill them. I don't mean to. I don't mean to sound, but, but I'm just trying to help us. I'm trying to help us to understand where we're at today. With the voice of God in our lives. What God's trying to, to help us with in the world that we're living. So somebody had to decide what was good and what was vile. 
what we was going to keep and what we was going to bring. But the man of God said to, to destroy all of it. Now watch the next thing that, that really amazes me. There came the word of the Lord unto Samuel saying, It repenteth me. God saying, I regret it. Listen, that I ever set up Saul to be the king. God himself is telling Samuel. For he, he is turned back from following me and hath not performed my commandments. Let me tell you something. If you don't follow the commandments of this book, you're not following God. Do you understand that? That's something we got to understand. Now, we've been on this for a little over a year about loving the commandments and statues and principles that's in this book. Hungering and thirsting after them. Coming out from among them and be ye separate. Love the word of God. Love the things of God. Love the righteousness of God. One of the things I pray over these little boys and girls when they come up for prayer. Hallelujah. And you may get a little weary and we may get a little weary in doing that. But I pray in God put a love in their hearts. Put a love for the things of God. Not a love for the world and the events of the world, but a love for God and the things of God because if we can get that in their spirit if we can get that in their heart amen if they can just fall in love with this and have a passion for it I tell you the world don't have anything that will shake them the devil don't have anything to draw them out because there's not a greater love and a greater passion than have a love and a passion for the things of God because God will put a hedge around them God will fight their battles God will direct their footsteps God will do things that you and I can't do with no corner nobody else So it repenteth me that I have set up Saul to be king, for he turned back following me, and I performed my commandments. And it grieved Samuel, and he cried unto the Lord all night. You think a pastor really likes to, when he has to really start. Nailing some things down. When he has to start drawing some lines. And some can say, well, it's just this and that. And I'm going to tell you something. If you listen to flesh, if you listen to the devil, he'll give you all kind of excuses. He'll give you all kind of whatever. And you know what? I hate to be so blunt right here and so plain, but at one time, Pentecost... When God Pentecostals, you could always pick them out. Amen. You could always recognize them. And the foundation, it didn't matter what local assembly you went to. They had the same message. Amen. They walked in the same in unity. But today, what's happening? And so now the warfare ain't from just from without. It's from within. Lines that are trying to be drawn and Decisions that are trying to keep us in a safe place. Amen. How many of us would really like to drive 57 or 26? Because some people say, well, a line don't make any difference. Well, let's just take all the lines off of 57 and 26. Let's take all the guardrails and the side rails off of those bridges. Let's take and tear down all the signs and tear down the red lights. Signs don't, why we put them up there? Why the law don't have no business? Highway Patrol don't have no business riding up and down these roads and, and pulling me over and, and writing me up when I'm doing 85 miles an hour. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm American. I got free liberty, man. I've been set free. I ought to be able to do what I want to do.
You know what's amazing to me? Why do we, why do we have those signs and laws? Why? Because we're not trying just to protect the one that's in that automobile acting like an idiot. But we're trying to protect that one that's doing right. That they may take out. Come on, can I preach to you now? That's the reason we'd rather live and stay inside and keeping the commandments and obeying God when we don't even understand them. Amen. Saul, you kill it all. Every suckling, every man, every woman. Because payday has come for the Amalekites. I've dealt with them as long as I'm going to deal with them. I've worked with them as long as I'm, they're against me. They don't fear me. And if we let them have their way, they'll destroy Israel. They'll destroy the seed of God. I'm going to tell you something. Sin is always destroyed. The house of God. Rebellionness and stiff necks has always destroyed the house of God. I'm telling you, the woodpecker never kills a tree. Amen. It's no termite out on the inside. It's the things and the external things that never destroys the church. It's what's created on the inside of the body. So what we allow is what we start giving ourselves to. It's what we start trying to find agreement with. I know I'm being a little, I don't mean to be, but God have mercy. That's reading this, you got to be careful when you get offended, if you get hurt, if you get, if you're not careful, you know what you're going to run up to? You're going to run up to that one, amen, that you know has been offended or hurt also. You're going to start hooking up and joining up. That spirits that's trying to connect, folks. That spirits are trying to join up and war up together and bind together. To be against the man of God and the voice of God. You remember something. It's not. If the man of God's obeying the voice of God. If the fivefold ministry is obeying God. You're not resisting man. You're resisting God. Let's go to a few scriptures. Uh, it's 1131. Can you give me a few more minutes? Uh, man. Uh. Proverbs 13 and 13, brother. I'm sorry, I probably got him so messed up back there. Let, let's go to 1 Samuel. I'm going to go to 1 Samuel. You go to, you go to Proverbs. 1 Samuel is 15, 23. It's in your book. For rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft. And stubbornness is as iniquity and idolatry. Because thou hast rejected the word of the Lord. Listen to what Samuel's telling Saul. You rejected the word of God. You, 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 you turned your back on it. And he hath also rejected thee from being king. Because you rejected the word of God. The gods is rejecting you for being king. Your kingdomship is going to be taken from you. You're, 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 you know a lot of people says. You know about going to heaven and things like that. I'm going to tell you something. Disobedient children are not going to heaven. Disobedience will keep us out of the kingdom of God. Disobedience and rejecting God or God's word is like rejecting God. Jesus Christ himself. And I know you may, I may be taking this out of little context here. But he said, but if you, if you reject me or deny me, he said, I'm going to deny you before the Father. Folks, we got to accept. The, you got to accept it all. This, this is, we're, not, we're not trying to eat a piece of a pie here. We, we want the whole pie. You got to have it all from cover to cover. It all works hand in hand, works together. You can't pick and choose what you're going to believe and what you're not going to believe. We got to take it as a whole. We got to experience it and let it work in us. 
There's nothing more powerful, more beautiful. And I'm going to take, well, everybody's going to give an account to it. Everybody's going to stand before it. This is what's going to judge us. The books is Revelation, John the Revelator on the Isle of Pamas. Hey, it wasn't convenient for him to get in the spirit. Man, we're living in a world today. We got to get everything convenient. And I don't believe I don't mean to be this way this morning. Praise God, but I'm going to tell you something. Everybody's looking for just, let's get this just right. And get this just right. And all this other. And you know, you, you're never going to get everything just right. I'll tell you, John got in the spirit on the Isle of Patmos, man. Hey, Street says he was bored and they couldn't kill him. But he was still able to get in the spirit, honey. Regardless of what's coming against us. Regardless of what valleys we're walking through. I'm here to tell you, we can get in the spirit. We can get in the voice of God. We can hold on to the commandments and whatever it's going to cost us. Stephen was willing to give his life for it. That's what you and I have got to do. To keep his commandments and walk after his statutes. Proverbs, watch this. Whoso despises the words shall be destroyed. If I despise this. Despise means to reject it. If I despise or reject this, I'm going to be destroyed. But he that feareth the commandment shall be rewarded. But he that has a fear of this. Not of me. Don't fear me. Don't fear the fivefold ministry. I know that some can get up here and get a little Eric and try to embarrass you. But they're going to give account for that. That's not God's will. Jesus didn't work that way. You don't use a pulpit, amen, as a, as a place to whip people. A pulpit is a place where you, you've anchored down by prayer and obeying the word of God and under the arms of the Holy Ghost. And we anchored here, amen, to do what? To pull, amen, souls out of the pits of darkness and out of the pits of sin and out of the pits, amen, of life and things of that nature. That's what, but I'm going to tell you something. You can't start moving this place, amen, to adjust to that. I know a little bit about pulling people out. I had a truck that was smaller and a lot of them I pulled out. You know what I had to do? I'd get on the other side of that road and I'd take that four-wheel drive and I'd bog it down. <laughs> then I'd take that winch and hook to them. And even though I was smaller than they was, because I'd get bogged down and I'd take that winch and I could pull them out. And then I'd take that same winch to pull me back out. And we'll tell you something, honey. you got to get anchored down to the Word of God. you got to get anchored down to the commandments that no man will move you. No philosophy of men will move you. No lying spirit or devil will move you. That your own carnality, your own conscience will, will cause you to miss out on it. Next one. Proverbs 15 and 5. A fool despises his father's instructions. Let me remember we on Wednesday night's doctrine. Remember you the first Wednesday night to give you the definition of doctrine. Instructions is one of them. It's a coach, instructor. Amen. But he that regardeth. Regardeth means to keep. Reproof. Is prudent. He that guards or keeps the word of God, amen, wraps himself up in it, obeys it at whatever cost. This is the word of God, and because it's the word of God, I'm going to obey it. I'm going to love it. It doesn't matter what mama's going to do. It doesn't matter what brothers or sisters or anybody else, and I'm not trying to pick nobody out here. I'm just simply telling you, it's a personal affair. Amen. He's got to become a personal savior. You've got to have an encounter with him. You've got to know him for yourself, and you've got to love him more than you love your mama, your daddy, your wife, your sons, your daughters, and anything else. Jesus Christ told us that. you got to love this word. you got to love this command. That's where Saul, that's the reason he messed up. That's the reason he come up short. And now he's losing the kingdom. And so now he tells him, 1 Thessalonians 4, 7 and 8, and I'm trying to hurry. Man, 1 Thessalonians 4, 7 and 8, watch this. 
For God hath not called us unto uncleanness, but unto holiness. He's called us out. Amen. Can't love the world and love God too. In fact, the writer says, love the things of the world. He therefore that despises, amen, despises not man, listen to it, but God who hath also given to us his Holy Spirit. You know, you may have a, you may not like me as a person. Can I'm just using myself, all right? That's the safest thing to do. If you don't like that, raise your hand and I'll use you. <laughs> How about that? <laughs> Praise God. Amen. And we may not, you know, our, our chemistry may not be the same. That's what they tell us. You know, and, and we just don't have likes and we just can't seem to get along. And <laughs> Can I give you an answer to some of that? Some of that's pride. <laughs> some of that's because they didn't see it like you've seen it one time and you ain't never forgot it. I'm sorry, I got on another rabbit. I'll get back over here. Amen. So, so what's unfolding here? What's, what's coming? As, as, as you watch this begin to unfold. And, so, and I know time won't go loud. So watch this. So God speaks to Samuel. He says, hey, I got a man. I got a man after my own heart. I got a man that, that wants to follow me. I got a man that wants to live for me. Now, now if you study the life of Saul and study the life of David, sinful morals, David done some things that was more, more ungodly. Than what Saul did. But if you watch this process, Saul began to want Samuel. Come on, let me let me, let me, let me look, look good in front of the people. Don't leave me, don't leave me here now. No, no, stay with me. Bless me. God let me among the elders. As long as I look good. I'm gonna tell you something. If you got a spiritual leader in your life. And you can manipulate him to see things the way you want it. And you know it's wrong. And he knows it's wrong. You don't have a spiritual leader. You got, you got a harlan. Amen. You got a hireling. Not a harlan. A hireling. Amen. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> you got a hireling. Man, you can pay him off. Hmm. How many of you like to go before a judge that you could pay him off? And the one you're going against is Bill Gates. <laughs> This God cannot be paid off. Understand that. Have you ever noticed throughout the scriptures what got Israel in trouble? Often. It's how they handled strangers, the orphanates, and the widows. You ever notice that? This is the individuals that don't have the, the means to fight battles and to support themselves. And so... They're kind of picked out, and, and there's a lot of emphasis given to them. Even when you get into the New Testament, when it talks about religion and, and who to visit in their times of trouble. He names the same three groups. Huh. It's having that compassion, that, that caring. And I know, I know you can't pay everybody's light bill and everybody's phone's bill and everybody's whatever bills and whatever it might be. I understand that. We all know that. But at the same time, to those that we still want to show compassion for and, and, and to love them, to care for them. And, and, and as you, you watch this, as it, it's coming to a close here, amen, as, 
as Samuel is, is working with Saul and now he's going to leave. And so now Samuel mourns and finally, finally God, finally God has to shake the man of God. He has to stir him up, you know, the mourning over Saul. Come on, you, 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 you just don't really know unless you're a shepherd and people backslide and they get frustrated and, and you know they put themselves in a place and man, it, and sometimes it just hits you out of nowhere and you, you pray for them and, and you weep over them. And, and, but, but then there comes a time here like Saul, God moves on Samuel and says, put the morning over him, I got me a man and he instructs him to make his way to Jesse's house. Now watch this. Samuel being the man of God, but he also knew the position and the authority of Saul. And if Saul got wind of it, Saul had the authority and the power to kill Samuel. But God instructed Samuel how to go about arranging this man to come to Jesse's house. And as he arrives there, and anybody, anybody read the scriptures there? What was the response to those in the city at Jesse's house when Samuel showed up? Were they excited? Were they beside themselves? Was they real glad? Oh, he's going to bring us a lot of good news, man. He's going to bless us. And I got some of you turning, ain't I? Don't I? Actually, buddy, they was afraid and fearful. Man, they was... Have you come to, with battle love? Have you come in peace? See, that reverence and fear works together. Well, I don't fear no man. I don't fear nobody's position. See, that's what's wrong. That spirit has got a hold of this nation. That even when lawmen pull up, they don't have no fear. But here's the biggest problem of that. When you don't have no, sometimes, you know, having fears, having good sense. I don't care what they think. I'm going to do what I want to. I'm going to pull my gun out and shoot them. And then he... Now, here's what's in the back of my mind and every bit of that. Where's that soul going now? Where's the soul going? That's the most important thing. Regardless of everything else that went on, who's right and who's wrong. We got a dead body here and a soul leaving here. Is it ready? That's what's in my mind and heart and spirit. But I'm telling you, they had a fear. But anyway, Sam told me, I'm coming. I come. And he calls Jesse, calls in the sons. And you know the story. He'll have the first and the or lessons on him and by head and shoulders. As Samuel looks upon him. And in, in his own reasoning, his own mind. He's probably not speaking this out. He's, it's in his own mind. Carthus, he looks at this and said, sure, this is the one. This is the one that the Lord's going to anoint him. And, 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 but you know, really, he should have thought about Saul. He was head and shoulder. He had the appearance. But he come up short. So he goes through seven. If you go through it, he goes through seven. Nobody hadn't still thought about David. Nobody hadn't thought about the little lad that's out. Watch this. Tending to sheep. Jesse has to bring it. I mean, Samuel has to bring it to Jesse. 
I know I'm not missing the voice of God. He said, he's not going to bless or anoint any of these. Jesse, have you got any more boys? Well, you know what? Come to think about it, I do. Now that you brought it up. Yeah, I got a little fella. He's, he's back under the wilderness. Tending to some sheep. You know, shepherds, in our day of time, we elevate them. We, we, we lift them because of our Lord. But in Bible time and in that time, they was looked down upon as being dirty. Kind of an outcast beneath everybody else. But he was tending to the sheep. Remember what God had told Samuel? I'm preparing myself a king. I'm preparing. I got a man that's after my own heart. I got a man that's out in the wilderness where nobody... His own family didn't even think about him less much than anybody else. Everybody else overlooked him, but, but I, I've watched him. I've listened to him. I, I've listened to him as he played that old harp, man. And, and, and boy, I'd love to be musically inclined. If I was, they all had to have all these different players and singers mad up here because I'd never let him knock kid. Hallelujah. But, uh, man, I'd be playing and David would be singing and, and glorifying, magnifying God and just loving God. And we're going to talk about him next week. The lessons on David and Goliath next week. The anointing. The favor. Man of God. From that point. Now watch this. There is a, a likeness. If you go back and study that. When Saul was called and he was called. And he had to be brought out. The anointing that took place in private. Progress. It became public, and he had to he had to get him, had to call him, get him. And here's David now, being anointed in a private setting, per se. And then he's sent back out. And then we know as Saul comes in, the war and the battle. Could it be that from this point, as were David, as Saul prepares the three oldest sons of Jesse for battle? God prepares the youngest, David, for a battle that we're going to talk about next week. What are you trying to say? What did COVID do for you? What not being able to gather as you'd like to? Did it make you stronger? Did it draw you nearer to God? And did you take those times? And huh. You see, just because God allows us to be out in the wilderness sometimes in desolate places, that's where he performs some of his greatest work on us as individuals. In fact, some of the greatest spiritual leaders that you read in your book God calls them from the backside of deserts. God calls them out of places, dungeons. God calls them out of places that society and individuals and God's hand was in it that caused them. Watch this. Our own Savior Jesus Christ, before his ministry ever started, 
he was driven by the Spirit into the wilderness. Come on. We're in a, we're in a generation at a time. Man, they can't go five minutes without some form of entertainment and engagement with somebody. Creating a generation where they don't think we can go anywhere or do anything. I just wonder how many of us could really take direction. I'm not against it. Just, just listen to what I'm trying to say. The point I'm trying to make. I remember a time you had to get a map. You had to read that map. Or you had to, you had to swallow your pride and stop and finally ask somebody. And depend on them to be able to give good direction. Give you a few landmarks and tell you where to go. And you had to pay attention. If you was going to get to your destination. We're raising a generation that really don't know what it means to sit down and pay attention and have an ear to hear what's being said and the commandments and the instructions that's being given to. Why do you think there's such a battle in the house of God? Why do you think we even had to put screens up here to help us? Because we couldn't remember the old songs. Are you listening? Are you listening? Somewhere in that journey with Saul and, and, and against the Amalekites, somehow, some way in his own self. He didn't fulfill the commandments of the man of God. If that wasn't the first time, it was the second time. He just, he just seemed to not be able. Now watch this. At the end of Saul's life, what did he do? The very things that he destroyed called witches. He searched, finds one. And who, who does he have to call up? Let's thank God for the fivefold ministry. Like never before. Let's pray. Hear me now. Let's pray for the FIFO ministry. Let's pray for the evangelists that God wants to send our way and the prophets. Let's pray for the ministers that's a part of this local assembly and God would bless and anoint them like never before. And those that may even feel that call of God upon their lives. That we would purpose in our hearts, our minds, and our spirit. God, I want to hear your voice. And when I step in behind this pulpit, not with arrogance, not with a high mind, not with an, an attitude or spirit to beat up anybody. I, I don't get in this pulpit to step on anybody's toes. I don't get in this pulpit to single anybody out. I don't know how often some of you say, boy, you're preaching to me. I didn't have a clue. I don't even ask God. Now, if he wants to give it to me, that's fine. I'd just rather he can give me the message, let me preach the word of God, and then wherever it falls, then it's up to the individual to receive it as the word of God, the instructions of his word. 
You see, God hasn't changed His mind about sin. God hasn't changed His mind about worldliness. God hasn't changed His mind about how we conduct ourselves and walk. He wants us. As you stand in this house this morning. I want to have an ear to hear the voice of God like never before. Here's one of the reasons why. Through technology, you got access to all different types and flavors of voices. Even in the religious world. From one extreme to the other. But I'm going to tell you something. Even Paul talks about it. About the voices. But he says there's only one father. You know, there were certain ones that he would send certain ones to them. You know why? Because he knew that individual had such a passion and love for that group. That he knew without any waiver that they would go to tell the truth, preach the truth. If it cost them their lives, they would do it. I won't ever forget, I hadn't been pastoring maybe just a few months. I'm sure Brother Dobbs won't mind me using his name, but Brother Dobbs, we went to a section meeting or something, and he was there, and we got to talking. He said, you do know, at that time, I don't know if it's still true today, I don't look this stuff up. <laughs> he said, you do know, he said that, that preachers and pastors is, is high up, and I, if I remember right, like number two committing suicide. <laughs> well, I'm going to tell you something. I'm going to be like that prophet. I want to be like him. I'm not going to pull my hair out. It's falling out enough on its own. But that other one, he pulled everybody else's out. <laughs> I'm not going to kill myself over this. I'm not going there. I might resign, I might leave, I might do that. And I'm not saying it, I'm just telling you the call of God and the pressure. Don't you kid yourself. Ministry is under more pressure than she's ever been. Amen. And you know what? It's the pressure of the people. If you look at it closely with even Saul. Amen. It was the pressure of the people. Amen. And even when they left him. And he left him there by himself to face that 30,000 Philistines and that little handful he had left. But I'm going to tell you something. Isaiah made it clear to us. If the man of God will make the stand as a voice of God. If he'll make the stand. If he has to stand by himself. God will fight the battle. God will hold up the standard. God will keep the fence up. But I'm telling you. But when Man, now watch this. You know what got America in trouble? It wasn't the pew. It was the pulpit. When the pulpit began to adjust to the pew, amen, the world got in trouble. But as long as the pulpit stands where God has called it to stand, the pew will come. The pew will come. The pew will be pulled out. It'll be pulled out or moved out. Are you hearing me? Because God has the power. To end of that lesson. Give me that last verse. It was at Psalms 75 and something. I'd love to read that whole chapter. It's just a few verses. But in that psalm, he instructed us. God. God alone. I beheld the transgression. It was greed because they kept not thy word. That's not 
That's Psalms 119 and 158. I know I got you standing. I'm sorry. But I want you to hear this one verse here. Psalms 75 and 7. But God is the judge. God is the judge, ladies and gentlemen. I don't put people in heaven. I don't put people in hell. I got a mandate to preach the gospel and preach the word of God. But it's God. Watch him. Amen. But God is the judge. He putteth down one and he setteth up another. God. God puts down. And God sets up. Let's just let God be God in our lives. And wherever he wants to put us and ever how he wants to use us. What about it this morning? Why don't we just come gather around? I know I'm beginning to practice this because you know what? We're going to work on these altars. Amen. I want to come this morning and say, God, here I am. I just want your will. I just want to hear your voice. I want to obey your commandments. I want to be pleasing unto you. I want to be your servant. Amen. I don't want my ways. Not my will, but thy will to be done. We, we talked about that last week. Amen. The Gethsemane of Jesus Christ. We got to visit that same garden. We got to visit on a regular basis. Why? Because in this old earthly man, there's no good thing. This old earthly man to get me in trouble. This old earthly man allow pride and the spirit of iniquity. Amen. To overcome me and overpower me but God God is a judge he's the one that puts us in places he's the one that raises up he's the one that sets down he's the one that opened up the doors he's the one that can close the doors he's the one that can open doors that no man can open but yet he's the one that can close the door that no man can close I tell you God still God nothing's ever changed about God we believe in him and put our trust in him I tell you even on this Sunday morning you can win some battles in your own mind heart and spirit that God's got it God's got it God's got it and it's going to be alright let's love him a minute God will love you today Appreciate you for your goodness and grace and mercy. You look down upon every soul and every life that's in this place this morning as we lift our voices and our hearts, our minds and our lives unto you in this end time. We pray for nothing but the Father's will. We pray for the baptism of the Holy Ghost. God, you know what was spring out of our souls, our hearts, our minds. We want them clean. We want them upright. We want them pleasing in your sight. We want it to glorify your name and fulfill your purpose. God, you called us. You blessed us. You brought us thus far. We didn't get here by ourselves. It's your goodness and grace and mercy that's been shining down upon us day in and day out. As you look upon every vessel in this house this morning, we love you, God. We appreciate you. We thank you, God, and help us. Help us this morning, God, to give ourselves unto your touch. Give ourselves unto your love. Give ourselves, God, that you can raise us up as you see fit. Or you can place us where you want to place us. But we would get together, God. There'd be such unity and bonding together, God, as a kingdom of God and the mercies of the Lord. Lord, flowing through us for one another and for this local community, God. We pray for this community. I pray for every family of this community, God. The powers of the enemy, God, will be released. The powers of darkness will be overcome, God. The elements that the devil's using, God, to bind them up. But we pray in the loosening powers, the delivering powers. We're praying revival, God. You give us dominion in this community, God, in the spiritual realm. You give us dominion to walk in your grace and mercy and power. God, we give your voice and obey it at whatever cost. We love it, respect, and give honor to it. Let your glory fill this house. Let your anointing baptize this place. Stir up the elders, stir up the young, stir up all in between. We're your people called by your name. In that wonderful name of Jesus. In that wonderful name of Jesus. Come on, let's love God here a minute. Let's magnify the King here again. Hallelujah, hallelujah. 
We love you. We love you. We love you. We love you. We love you, Jesus. Let me close with this. And I know I didn't get to it, but did you know that Samuel in the writings, it talks about and calls God the strength of Israel. The strength. We'll tell you something. The gospel, Jesus Christ, God is the strength of this church. Not our abilities, talents. Don't matter how long we've been here. How short a time we've been here. No, that don't mean anything. He's the strength. He's the strength. He's the one that comforts us. He's the one that helps us. As we lift our voice and give ourselves to him. He's a very present help. Let's let him help us. Love you this morning. Appreciate you. So good to see you all in the house of the Lord today. God bless you. Come back tonight, 5.30 prayer time, 6 o'clock service time, 4.30 practice time for the praise singers. God bless you.